Welcome to the Sales Lead Dog Podcast, hosted by CRM technology and sales process expert, Christopher Smith, talking with sales leaders that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Listen to find out how the best of the best achieve success with their team and CRM technology. And remember, unless you are the lead dog, the view never changes. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Today on Sales Lead Dog, I have joining me Brian Vogus of Carbon 3D. Brian, welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Chris, great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Excited to have you on. Tell me about <laughs> Carbon 3D and your in your current role. Love to. So Carbon 3D, I re- joined them recently, about six months ago. Uh, very unique capabilities in the marketplace. It's a 3D printing technology. Uh, It's polymers. It's a bunch of resins. Uh, We really help clients cross the chasm for doing nothing over to fully uh, into the additive space. We have, you know, we don't only do the prototyping and functional prototyping for clients around polymers, but we do production. Carbon is all about production. We've got some of the biggest Fortune 50 companies using our technology with plastic components in their cars in their helmets, in their shoes, all across the map. So uh, my role here is really driving sales, driving pipeline and closing that pipeline. I'm a senior sales director. I cover a region for carbon. Uh, It's kind of a a little bit different role for me in my past where I had more sales leadership roles, but hopefully we start uh, heading down that path here very shortly. But love talking to clients about uh, 3D printing and how we can help them uh, with our technology. That, I think it, it's like the coolest technology to come out in the recent past. You know, I mean, it, it, when you talk about transformational technology, it's 3D printing. Yeah, 100%, Chris. It, 3D printing has been, been around for a while. The difference between carbon and others is we've gone through qualification into production. There are parts on a Ford Mustang right now in production. There's parts on a Lamborghini. Uh, every single NFL professional football player has a carbon part in their helmet. So we're all about kind of getting through the prototype and functional prototype and getting them into production with real components, really polymer compo- components with our technology. So that, that's kind of what drew me to, to carbon, that ability to scale and really to have an impact on organizations, very, whether it's aerospace, industrial, space, automotive, consumer goods, we, we cut across a wide variety of clients with our technology. Yeah, so that's what's really cool. I mean, 3D printing has been around a while. And my experience initially was like the stuff you would see in a lab, a school lab, or like my kid's lab, or in a computer store, or whatever, like, gee, isn't that cool? But I don't really care about making a plastic whistle, you know? Right. And But what really, to me, is just so cool about carbon is what you said, the manufacturing capability and that this is really becoming the norm now, you know, that to have these components produced through 3D printing, it's really wild. It's game changing. You know, it's early stages of this ball game. It's probably the first or second inning of this game. There's a lot more to go, but the, the life changing products that we're making yep. for, you know, medical device companies coming up with products we allow you to do surgery uh, yep. directly into an eye with very small, precise parts. It really is game-changing for a lot of industries. 
Yeah, that's really cool because I used to, uh, in a prior life, used to, uh, my first company was focused in the healthcare space. Yeah. And we did a lot around joint replacement. And back then, everything was steel. But now with the, the advancement of the uh, uh, materials used in medical devices and things like that, there are, it's not just all steel or stainless steel anymore. And to me, that, that to be able to custom make components for your patient and their size, whatever, because everyone's so unique. Yeah. Healthcare alone is like, would be an amazing space for this kind of technology. It's, it's crazy, it's wild. Yeah, yeah it, it's massive. And I live in Orange County, California. We've got a lot of folks looking at our technology for those medical devices. You know, the biocompatibility of our technology is different, right? These can be on the skin, they can be in the nose for a long period, month or, or weeks, if not months. It really is changing the game, and it's all about the resins, right? It's all about the material, the material properties of right. the polymer parts. It's it's really a science yeah. department that's really mastered. Yeah, it's so exciting to see where this is going to go over the next 10, 15, 20 years. It's, it's yeah. really cool. Well, let's sure. talk about you now, Ryan. Sure. My favorite topic, by the way. There you go. Um, for the next 30 minutes, mine too. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, did you want to be a salesman, a salesperson when you were thinking about, you know, your career in school? Yeah, great question. You know, I, I really didn't. Um, I kind of great. You know, I was an auditor. Don't don't tell anybody. But I have a, <laughs> I have a financial degree and I was right. an auditor and it was a little bit different. I mean, it's a great profession. A lot of smart people. Uh, I, I probably wasn't the smartest auditor, but I always had a gravitation towards, you know, dealing with customers, selling ideas, selling projects. So I started off finance, went to consulting where you're, you're really selling yourself and you're selling projects to clients. And that isn't, uh, isn't easy. No. So I think throughout my whole career, I've had the mindset of I need to sell whatever I'm doing and think about how the impact is for clients as I go forward, not only as an auditor, but mostly as a consultant, then I got into business development and then sales. But I've always had that passion for adding value to clients. And I think I can do that best in the sales and the sales leadership role. Now, that's very cool. Tell me about your first sales job. You know, how'd you get it? And what were the major takeaways, major learnings from that first role? Yeah, great, great question. So, you know, I was uh, working uh, with a, a friend of mine who I've had a history, you know, being more of a consultant, you know, having that deeper skill set around being a subject matter expert with certain technologies. And, you know, he loved me. I loved him. We went in there and I, I kind of helped it, helped him out in terms of a small company carrying a bag. And you learn a lot when you have to roll up your sleeves and you look around and it's you and maybe one or two other people on your team. And you have to really execute a pipeline and sales and, and, and do those kind of things. So I, I just, I kind of, Found out about it through a contact of mine who wanted me part of his organization. He made me a head of head of sales, um, and I've mostly been in sales ever since that uh, that time. Yeah, when you're in an environment like that, there's no hiding. There's you know, it's yeah. you, and either you're making it or you're not, and everybody knows. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about your transition into sales leadership. You, know, yep. you get that first role, and you're head of sales, but it's a small pond. Yeah. Um, how did you transition your career or how did you design your career to move on from there to where you are today? Yeah, 
a great question. You know, it, it's it's something I kind of stumbled upon. I, again, I, I had this sales subject matter expert kind of passion to really add value to clients, and then I came up over with a Fortune 50 company that kind of said, "Hey, Brian, you'd be great for this leadership role." I said, "Okay." I mean, I wasn't. There wasn't a great plan. There wasn't a great you oh, know yeah. Yeah. strategy there. But they believed in me. I thought, well, this guy believes in me. I, I should be able to do this, right? Right. So I went in there, yeah. went in there with that kind of blind, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, but the blind luck. But I, it's it's really been my passion ever since. So I'm yeah. thankful. What were uh, what did you use as a motivation to develop yourself as a leader in those initial uh, experiences as a leader? So, so for me, I was like, well, I've never, I mean, I've managed projects, multi-million dollar projects. I've been in a matrix environment. So now I've got to manage a team. I go, well, I've never done this before. So I better talk to somebody who has. Right. So actually the guy who hired me, he kind of gave me the best advice I think I've ever, give, I've ever been given in my career. Um, he basically said, you know, you're managing people, but honestly, you work for them. I said, what? <laughs> yeah. He goes, you work for them. You've got to make them successful. You've got to figure that part out, Brian. This is, I know this is new to you, but we have confidence you can do this. So taking that viewpoint that I work for the people who I manage, I've got to, you know, make sure they're, they're focused. They get everything they need to execute brilliantly. And that's been my mindset, which is probably the most important thing in sales is you have to have the right mindset for selling and helping sellers out to be effective. This is not a one-man show, right? One person, you know, you, you, you're you on a team, team that you can control underneath you to manage, plus you're in a very broad matrix organization with the bigger organizations I work for, where you really have to rely on other folks to help you execute the sales cycle. So the mentoring for me was critical to get started. Yep. What about establishing that alignment in relationship with the marketing team, those, as you said, you're part of a team, you're part of an ecosystem in sales. What is your experience and in, in thought around creating that alignment with the marketing team, which is so crucial to the success of the sales team? Yeah. Mar marketing and sales go hand in hand in glove. I mean, it's, it's definitely a dynamic duo as we attack the marketplace. To, to me, it's more of constant feedback constant communication. I, I, I like where I'm at right now at Carbon, I, I very close ties to the marketing folks. I bring them to some of my clients. They hear what the clients are saying. They're not just hearing it from the sales team. They're hearing it from the client. So I think that was very important to get that firsthand. But just to ask for you know, gaps that I think are needed in the marketplace. In sales, you, you can't hide. There's no, you, you have to deliver, but you need that support in terms of providing valid content and driving leads from the, from the marketplace. So working hand in hand with marketing, you know, competitive analysis, whether it's, you know, inviting them to clients so they can hear some things in a specific industry, right? We look at industry solutions, competitive information, all this stuff is critical for selling success and they're vital to the, to the process. Yeah. I love that. I've done that um, with uh, taking customers to, product teams, et cetera, so they can hear, you know, whatever the pain, the struggle, whatever it is that's going on in that industry or that, that, that type of a business. It's, it's a goldmine of information. Frequently, we'll take 
you know, quotes from those conversations and incorporate that into our market material because nobody says it better than your customers, right? Right. Well, Chris, you make a good point. Another point on sales leadership. So I took my first leadership role in sales where I was managing a team in a new industry, right? It was an additive industry and I hadn't been an additive before. So when I was with this company, I go, well, I work for my people, well, the people I manage, but what about the customers? So the, fir the first thing I did said, let's go talk to everybody. So I spent 30 days talking to 50 customers and listening. I was like on a listening tour. That was vital and important to understand the customer's perspective, watch the interaction between the sellers and the customers in, that, in those meetings and really begin to learn the industry, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you have I, I, language in sales. Yeah. I think you summed it up really well there. To be a leader, so much of it is about learning. And I think some leaders forget that. They think they, a lot of, I think the leaders that have kind of closed themselves off to growth are the ones that have forgot that you have to be constantly learning, right? How do you keep your learning going in your career? Yeah. Look, I'm constantly, you know, reading books on sales leadership, salesmanship, um, you know, podcasts on industry information on, you know, the additive industry, you know, polymer is all new to me this year. And I, every day I try to get a little snippet in either from our website, from our Academy website, from independent people to kind of see what's going on in the marketplace. So you, you just have to, there's a lot out there, right? We can tap into everything uh, with, with the, with the internet. So you've just got to keep, when you have a little downtime, you want to take a break from the emails or from the phone calls, you watch a podcast, go to YouTube. You can see you know, a lot of folks from Carbon on YouTube giving pitches two, three, four years ago. They're so, still relevant today. So, you know, books, you know, internet, and just talking to customers in the industry, see what's happening. You've got to stay abreast or you, get, you fall behind. Yeah. Do you have a favorite book or, or maybe a few books that are like, these are the ones that really help me the most? I'm a sales guy. Okay. I don't know why I didn't get in sales when I was born. I was like, so I like big league sales by Les Dane. Uh, I love closing techniques. Like if you ask somebody, what is sales? They, they won't give you an answer. They can't figure it out. Right. So understanding what sales is and closing techniques was one of the best books um, I've ever read. Yeah. What were so, some of the key takeaways for you from that book? Well, so, so, uh, you know, this key to somewhat success I had or have in my career is all about handling objections, right? Sales is simply a series of agreements that lead to a transaction. That is my mindset, getting, you know, some of the big league sales, reading some other things that I've, I've, I've read in the past. You understand the framework. So a series of agreements. In fact, you can do S-A-L-E-S, series of agreements that lead to an exchange of something. That's what sales is. Right. Every time you disagree with a customer, do you get closer to the sale or further away? Simple. You get further away. Right. You don't agree to everything, but you kind of manage this. And you try to you know, work these things. And it's a series. Right. We agree to do the web. We agree to do the uh, presentation. Yes. We agree to do a, a demo, yes. We agree to do a proof of concept, yes. If we do this, will we get this? You, you just lead the clients to the past. So understanding what sales is, yep. is the most important thing I've had in my career yep. and handling objections. Yep. 
which that's a whole nother, I'm going to write a book on this, Chris. I'll give you a little. Oh, I love that. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. Handling objections is the, is, is night and day yeah. from the sales lead winners and the sales losers. Right. You know, and it's funny. I, I read a lot of sales books too. And thinking about what you just said and thinking about a lot of the recent books I've read, they don't really talk about that too much. Why do you think that is? They don't know how to do it. <laughs> I love that answer. I'll talk to you all. Oh yeah. The great salesperson that, what are you talking about? Wait, how do you close a deal? It, it, sales role is about getting a purchase order and a contract associated with that purchase order. How do you do it? For example, customer says, Brian, we'll give you a PO on Monday. Told my rep that. I was on the call. Yep. PO, Monday's the end of the quarter. Hey, thank you. We hang up the phone. I'm done. We're no more, there's no more selling when right. they say we'll give you a PO on Monday. Yep. That was on Thursday. Friday, they give us a letter. Cease and assist all business activities with our company. On a formal letter. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Have you ever heard of that in sales? No. 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 The rep called me and says, Brian, I got this cease and assist letter. I go, okay. I go, look, I think we got them right where we want them. Yeah. Let's go get this business. Yeah. Got them on the phone. Objection, 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 objection. Handle, handle, handle. Okay, we handle the objections. You come, you may have to come up with a bright idea. Right. That's the other thing they don't tell you. You may have to change the dynamics of the deal. Right. Understanding what's in play. Yep. So what happened on Monday at 9:30 when I'm having dinner with this rep in a different city with a different customer? Yep. He says, Brian, we got the purchase order. I said, Of course, that's what we do. That's right. We get purchase orders. Yep. Next one. What's it? Who's next? <laughs> so if you don't know how to, and that's this, this. Big League Sales was yep. very good on that, right? Yep. In terms of helping me understand that these are objections. Yep. You've got to either, and they're real. Some could be real. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yep. There are some valid reasons you can't, or objections you can't overcome, but you have to try. You when do you know to. when it's time to stop trying? Well, you, first of all. Or is there a time? Look, you, you got, you know, in sales is a, is, a, is a fine line. It's not a science. It's a science and an art. When, when the client tells you, look, we can't do this for this reason. Right. You say, okay, I'll go away. Yeah. <laughs> no, you say, tell me more. Right. Oh, well, they want to get together in two weeks on site to meet you in person. I said, I told the rep, I said, rep, get on a plane right now, tonight, and get that purchase order. Yeah. We threatened to go and see him in person, take him to dinner. That was the threat. Right. Goes, oh, don't worry about it. We'll just give you the purchase order. So you have to know which ones are kind of like weak and which ones you really want to go after. But right. at some point in time, you know, you've got to kind of take a step back and say, look, this is a relationship. This is a partnership. You know, you, you've got to understand when to pull back. However, I'm not saying I, I enjoy this too much, but as the manager, I was the bad guy. I didn't want my sellers to have those tough conversations. Right. Um, a, candidly, they're not good at it. B, you know, I they have a relationship more so than I did with their clients. So I'm not the, you know, I try to be friendly and try to be positive 100%, but sometimes you have to have a strong conversation um, and you just have to read the room. I mean, sometimes you just have to pull back and say, okay, we'll come back. We'll visit this next next time. Right, right. So, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough call to be honest with you, Chris. So you were talking about the customer and the relationship with the customer. How about as a sales leader in your relationship with the sales team, 
How do you manage that similar scenario where it's time to push or it's time to pull back? Yeah, simple, very simple. So managing a person, they've, they've, they've talked to the client every, every day for a while, haven't heard back. I said, withdraw. The great, one of the greatest single sales techniques that's ever worked for me is when you withdraw from a client or a prospect who was interested. Right. And you can see what they do. So, right. hey, look, you've been, you've been, what else are you going to do? I would say stop communicating with the client, pull back, and see what the response is. If you get a response, they're serious. If you don't get a response, you need to get more opportunities in the pipeline. Right. The only thing that will cure sales or lack of sales is sales. Right. And you have to have more opportunities, period. That, 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 is, that is my viewpoint on a bad, you know, closing, if your closing percentage is low, yep. you've got to create more pipeline. And that's candidly what, what sales is all about, managing those two, pipeline creation and closing conversion rates. Yep, yep. Um, it's the sales leaders, a lot of sales leaders, especially early in their careers, a sales leader tend to see to meddle, have a tendency to meddle or get over-involved in their deals. Did you ever go through that? You know, I, I, you kind of learn from having the, the salesperson kind of take the lead. You're in the meetings with them, but you kind of know what state, you know, where they're at in the process, where they're at in terms of skill set and what they can and can't do. Once you know that, it makes it easier. And you kind of have a good symbiotic relationship. So most of the folks I, I work for as a manager, you know, I kind of know what I need to do. You know, my, my first year as a manager, right? Oh yeah, you guys are gonna do a lot of revenue. We did four hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of revenue. Just give you a number. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm the only one I closed that deal. I said, why? Why? This was a new new business, new industry. I picked up the phone. I said, can I help you guys out? They said, call somebody. I said, okay, let me call one of your accounts. And yeah, they bought a they bought a machine. Yeah. Well, the second year we did eighteen million. Third year we did thirty million. And why? Why is that? Because I learned each seller what they could and could not do. Right. And I filled the gaps, coached in areas, filled the gaps, and closed most of their deals. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. You, you, that was the weakness in the team. Once you find the weakness, you kind of strengthen it or help them strengthen it, but you've got to over, you got to take over sometimes. Right, right. Um, what was the toughest part, or what is the toughest part about being a leader for you personally? You know. I love it. it it's tough, but you, you've got to have you got to juggle a lot of balls in the air. So I'm responsible for a number. Everyone below me is responsible for a number. I've kind of managed, okay, what, what's realistic over here? Yeah, I know this person may be a sandbagger. This person here is, you know, maybe committing too much. So I've got to have enough opportunities where I can cover my commitments to the business. Right. So leveraging that, I love doing it. It's just, it can be a little bit tricky if you don't have enough opportunities. So that gets kind of stressful when my, you know, I'm making a commitment to the business. I believe sales management is making a commitment and delivering it to the business, right? That's what the job is. And I've got to manage five or six people, which I had, and make sure each one gives me enough commitment so I can commit to the business. That's cool. I, I love how that's so succinct uh, way of seeing, you know, the role as a sales leader. Yeah, it's um, when it comes right down to it, your job is to deliver for the business because ultimately if sales aren't happening, nothing else in the business is happening either, right? Hundred percent, and that's yeah. that's the, the job. That's the job. If I can't deliver, hey, you need to get rid of me. 
you need to hear with that sales leader. You have to be able to have confidence in your leadership that they're meeting their commitments to the business. Now, there are ridiculous quotas out there. I get all that. But if I make a call and they know that we're not, the, the numbers here, the quotas here, the calls here, I have to make that call, right? That's the minimum. And we'll figure out the delta from the target to the call. But if you can't make the call as a sales leader, what are you doing? You're, you're not doing, you're doing something else. Because, hey, what are you, you going to do this quarter? I'm going to do this. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why didn't you do that, right? No. That's my commitment to the business, right. regardless of the targets or whatever. If you can't keep your commitments to the business, then you're not doing sales. You're doing something else. Right. Right. What's your favorite part about being a sales leader? Oh, helping people succeed, closing business. I, I mean, I love, I, I like the individual success or, you know, success. That's, that's fine. I mean, I, I love closing deals. I'm doing that in this role. But one of my best experiences here so far was a rep called me up because I kind of have a reputation to, you know, focus on deals and getting them across the goal line. He says, Brian, I just lost a deal. I said, tell me more. Well, we got this, we got this. Okay, okay. What about this, this, and this? He goes, oh, we can't do that. Are you sure? Are you sure? So you call, this was Wednesday. He called right. me Thursday. Brian, we won the deal. I said, yeah, that's what we do. We win deals. Yeah. Because I, I kind of helped him with the sales strategy. And it was late in the game. Don't get me right. wrong. The, right. the appeal was coming the next day, like Friday. He called me on Wednesday saying he lost to the competition. And I gave him enough competitive, different, or competitive information Right. differentiators and the right the right solution into that account it was almost a no-brainer yeah. but we lost you know, we lost we won that's what that gives me the most joy i think out of any kind of management leadership job yeah um failure is such a key part of i think growth and sales i mean it, it's just it's inherent you can't have the wins without yeah. the losses how do you as a sales leader teach around or create teachable moments around the losses? Yeah, well, you, good, good point. I learn more from my losses than from my wins oftentimes, right? You, you do learn about what, you know, but you got to get real information on why you lost. There's only one factor. This is chapter two of my book, by the way. There's only one factor of why you lose a sales, a sales opportunity that you're winning. There's only one factor. It's time. What, what is it? Time. Time. It's not the time itself. What's occurred during the time. The guy promised me a PO on Wednesday. Cease and assist on Thursday. Or, you know, cease and assist yeah. on Friday. Time. A day goes by. Not, the whole world can change. So time is a major factor. So that's my first education to client or to reps. Can we, can we go any faster? understanding all the dynamics a lot of people in the sales team outside the sales team are not you know incentivized to close a lot of deals we need them involved with the process but can we get things done faster what's the risk of this project what didn't we see right were we selling at multiple levels in the organization i mean the best deals you've got the executives covered you've got your champion covered you know, you've got to have the coaches covered. You've got to have everyone covered from a sales perspective, or you may wake up and say, what happened? Yep. So I don't know if I answered your question, but you you got it. You got to focus on time. The faster, yep. better. If you're winning, if you're losing, you may want to drag it out. I get that. Yep. Uh, well, I'm talking about deals that you think you're going to win. You kind of have to execute brilliantly in this day and age. It's all out there. 
information is out there everywhere. So you've got to move fast to, to win these deals. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Um, when it's, um, do you have a deal that you thought you had and you end up losing it? That just the one that really kind of st has stuck with you in your career? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. It's my first deal as a sales leader. Oh, no kidding. No kidding. Um, What's your big takeaway from that? Great question. You know, when you have to get in front of all the executives and tell them why you lost, what happened, you know, the big, the big takeaway is the time. Time was the issue. We dragged it out. You know, we showed up to kind of close it out and there was only one guy there. <laughs> there was, there oh, wasn't yeah. we were used to talking to and presenting to. So we missed the time. Now what happened during the time that caused us to lose? The competition had a better deal. Yeah. They had a better, they, they, they put together a package deal that we could not compete with. We were too late in the marketplace to be competitive with somebody who's already been there and done that, had reference calls. So right. being being late to, to the dance in terms of you know what we have to offer and just we just kept doing too many cycles trying, oh we hear this, okay, we'll change the deal. We heard that, we'll change it again. Time killed me on that one, but it was a great lesson learned. We, we, I got smarter, got better, faster, and that was the last major deal I lost while taking that leadership role. That's awesome. That's awesome. CRM, do you love it or do you hate it? There's two kinds of people in the world, Chris, in sales. There's people who report the news and people who make the news. <laughs> so I, I like to make the news, but I understand the reporting, 100%. Yep. It's a love-hate relationship. You got to do it. You know, my manager, manager, they're all running these reports. What are you doing? Yep. How's it going? You got to get the data up to speed. So I love hate, but it's got to be done because you can't, you're wasting time if you have to talk to a rep every you know, day before a big meeting, yep. you know, how's this, what's the status here? You should see it right there in Salesforce. At least next steps, yep. the stay yep. probability, some basic information that needs to be updated in some, some CRM. Right. Do you leverage CRM as part of your uh, uh, analysis retrospectives around the losses? 100%. Can you talk about that? Yeah, there's good feedback. So the world changes every three months, six months. There's a lot of dynamics here, especially in our field. Yeah. So we go back and look at all the closed loss in, in, in the CRM all the time. I do it all the time. Look, if I'm looking at a specific territory to focus on, I go, let me see what we closed loss there for the past four years. Oh, well, we lost this deal because of some pricing issue, but we have new pricing now. So let me call them up and try to get this you know, over there so they understand the world has changed for our company and see if there is any interest in doing something differently. It's, it's worked out. I've got a deal that should close in two weeks uh, just because of that closed loss and the biggest issue was pricing. I love that. I use that all the time with our clients to like, they don't understand how important having that lost information, those deals you've lost, like you said, and going back, like, Okay, we lost it this year, but next year we know they're going to be in their buy cycle again. So right. we're going to start again, maybe a month earlier. You know, you can start putting that time plan, you know, those plans in place now. So when it's appropriate, you can engage with them in the future. Yeah, 100%. And if you're a new seller, it gives you a reason to call. Hey, I'm new. Heard you guys were looking at us before. I'd love to at least share with you some of the exciting new things we have going on. Yep. I'll be in your territory next week. When, when would you be available? Right. Yep. Very simple. It's a warm call. Yep. You get in front of them and they, they're very receptive to it because they could be fans. Just something wasn't, you know, did not click or didn't, didn't uh, close it out. Right. But 
could be those objections we talked about. So we got yeah. we got to handle those. What's your biggest struggle when it comes to CRM? You know, okay, so the struggle, I think, is, you know, you've got to, well, we change the format. So formats are changing. It's kind of customized, which is good. If it comes out vanilla and you're, you've got some real specific things to the sales process, that's a challenge. So the CRM we're using is pretty easy to customize. So we've done a lot of that, thankfully. Um, that's been helpful. Um, you know, getting, I mean, I'm a reporting guy. I do a lot of reports. So making sure I get the reports and do the you know selections on things I want to look at can be a challenge at times, depending on the data I'm looking for. But um, the information's got to be in the system somewhere, right? We've got to, got to capture the information. Getting it out may be a little bit cumbersome, but you've got to at least get it in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the common struggles I've seen, and I continue to this day, I will ask, you know, early on when we engage with a client, we want to understand who's your ideal customer, who are you targeting? And they can tell us that. And then I'll say, okay, is that represented in your CRM? Frequently it's not. And right. to me, that's a great, huge barrier for the sales team to be successful. Have you ever experienced that in your yeah. career? Yeah, you know, the, the, we have what's called get accounts or target accounts. We've identified in there, that's kind of interaction between marketing and sales to figure out oh. these really the accounts we wanna focus on. So right. it's an exercise, it's an effort, it's, we're doing it. So it's not a, as big of an issue. I've seen that at other accounts where you're like, where do we even go? What do we, what are the sales plays that we want sellers to run into these type of organizations? Right. Right. That's the kind of thing it's hard to get to if you don't have a little more um, analysis of the account in right. the CRM. So right. I, I definitely see that as an issue. Oh yeah, that that's where it starts. Like you have to understand and have the data around your ideal customer in there. But then the next step is like, okay, now that we have this information and we can target and segment this data, now we want to have specific plays or approaches that we're going to use to go after additional business. Because as you said earlier, it's about creating more opportunities, filling that pipeline. You have to have your CRM set up to do that. Hundred percent. And the other the other issue with that is. You know, five years ago, wow, there's no information, right? right. We have, this company's been, you know, in the system for a long time. Yeah. I go back, I can't see what happened or it was categorized differently in a different vertical than we're going after now. Yep. So there, there needs to be a data cleansing exercise periodically in Salesforce, especially with historical data. Because oh, yeah. when you convert from one system to another system, you can lose a lot of the history. That that's really slows, slows you down. And we, yep. I see that issue now. No. Brian, it's been great um, talking with you. We're on our time here, uh, time limit here on Sales Lead Dog. Yep. If people want to reach out and connect with you, learn more about you, or, but, or they want to learn more about Carbon, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. Love to have people reach out. Whatever you, know, whatever you need, I'm here to you know, help people be successful. That's my underpinning uh, goal of, of what I do now um, or desire. Uh, you, can, you can reach me at, uh, on my cell at 818 669 three, three, six, four, or you can shoot me an email at Brian, B-R-Y-A-N-V, nine, one, two, zero, two at gmail.com. That's awesome. Brian, I love having you here on Sales Lead. That was a great talk. Pleasure Thanks for coming on. Thank you. And welcome to the pack. All right. I appreciate it. As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. 
watch the videos on YouTube. And you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog. Sales lead dog is supported by Impeller CRM, delivering objectively better CRM for business, guaranteed.